following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And- CWN is Sean My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It is great to be with you once again here. One in the morning, my time. I'm still pumped. It doesn't matter. I, I might look tired. I might have some black rings under my eyes, but that's okay. It's all worth it because right here, right now, I'm talking to somebody that I've been He's a bucket list guy that I've been wanting to talk to and learn a little bit about his career in professional wrestling and beyond. He is the incomparable, the one and only Ice Train. How are you, my friend? Good afternoon. Good morning to me. Good good morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> LA uh... is still morning. It's 1 a.m. out there Wednesday. What's going on with you today? <laughs> I'm doing great, bro. And uh, it's it's very rare that I uh, can interview someone in the US where it's also the morning at the same time. Um, but really glad to be talking with you here today, bro. This is exciting for me. Uh, so many things that I, I, I want to learn about with you um, that I haven't been able to find through my research online. Uh, and the first thing that we always ask our guests on the show here is, how did you become a wrestling fan when you were a young man? I grew up in Detroit, and I used to love um, Bobo Brazil, Bulldog Don Kent, Dick the Bruiser, the Mighty Igor, and I just thought they were big guys, strong guys, with a lot of personality and a lot of charisma. And that's what turned me on to wrestling. Right. You like the big characters. You like the, uh, the, the, the crazy characters of professional wrestling. That's what got you hooked. You're growing up. You're watching wrestling. At what time in your life do you think to yourself, you know what? I got to do this. I'm a big guy. I can do this. I was actually working out in the gym in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Road Warriors were in the gym. Dusty Rhodes. At that time, I was squatting over 950, and I was doing that comfortably for like a triple. So I was squatting one day, and Dusty Rhodes saw me working out, him and Pistol Paz Watley, Hmm. and invited me to come down to Atlanta. As they were inviting me, I was playing basketball. I didn't play with anybody, but I always used to like to test out my vertical and to see if I could still dunk the ball. And I was over 290 at the time. And Tito Santana saw me dunk the basketball and he went bananas. Like, oh my God, that guy's big and he can dunk. So um, Pez Watley said, hey, listen, I think you need to come to Atlanta. At that time, I'll be honest with you, as far as powerlifting and weightlifting was concerned, I was probably the strongest man in the world at that time. And um, no, it, it, not even a close second. I was pretty, really strong man. So I went to Atlanta, gave it a try. 
Um, didn't work out, but I didn't come home. I stayed down there about two years until I got my opportunity. When I got my opportunity, the craziest thing is I had a torn ACL. And um, you can go in there into the gym and let CT know you're here. And um, the craziest thing, I had a torn ACL at that time. So when they called me out, it was so much craziness because the next week I was on TV <laughs> and I had, and I had blew my knee out. So for about two years, I worked with a torn ACL. Right. So, but, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. How you can, you just got into it that quickly and you're on TV that quickly. Yeah. I never, I told my sons, I said, I've never, um, I've never had the time where I could develop into small groups, small towns, so it just took me a little bit longer because I was a TV baby and I was thrust. And I mean, I was thrust in there with Ron Simmons and, and, and angles. And I had, I, I didn't know how to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. Right. Of course. I understand. Uh, that, that's, that is a difficult position to be in. Um, but you know, so the opportunity's already come about and you, you're thrown into, you're thrust into this on the 7th of July, 1993 you take on two enhancement talents on worldwide you get the win how daunting was it for you young guy barely had a heap of training in you to go out there and wrestle a tv match it was difficult but sorry bro i've lost your audio there okay okay only Ole Anderson was the booker then. And Ole was like, listen, you got charisma. We don't need you to wrestle. You just go out there and you beat people. And you use your strength, your power, and you just destroy anybody you wrestle with. And then when Ole lost the book, there kind of went my push at that particular time. They start putting me in tag matches with Ron Simmons instead of building me up. Only wanted to build me up for a whole year as because he felt I had like charisma, like junkyard dog. And, you know, just I had charisma. And he was like, man, people are going to love you because you're going to be who you are. And then that all changed when Ole lost, um, when Ole lost the book. Right. Cause yeah, you, you, you were uh, coming out like a house of fire um early on they're getting a lot of wins um ninth of the seventh 93 your team with ron simmons against the hollywood blondes that's your fourth match and you're working with brian pillman and steve austin uh oh i could tell you i could tell you that match man i didn't sell anything (laughs) i went out there and i did exactly what was told to me austin was pissed (laughs) <laughs> and they'll hit me, Brian Pillman. They were both pissed, but I was just doing what I was told to do. And because why have a match and you don't know how to you don't know how to do this part or entertainment? <laughs> so Oli was like, just go out there and beat the hell out of everybody. Don't sell anything. <laughs> so when I got back to the locker room, did I have heat? I had a furnace of fire. But <laughs> hey, Oli liked it. The crowd liked it, and that's all that mattered. And um, 
I laugh because um, Steve also used to call me under overpay under work. And um, because WCW just didn't know what to do with me. It's okay. <laughs> um, what was it like being paired with Thunderbolt Patterson in, in the early days there in 93? Mm-hmm. Um, Thunderbolt was um, unique. Um, very, um, you didn't know what you was going to get out of Thunderbolt. Um, because Thunderbolt believed that WCW should have really just pushed me, pushed me, pushed me for about two years. And he didn't like the way that WCW was treating me, even though I was getting a lot of wins. He just didn't like the wins. He felt that you're benching almost 700 pounds and you're athletic. Let's just go out here and let the people get to know you over the next year. Yeah. And and WCW at that time wasn't really into that. I understand. That kind of became, um, they got rid of T-Boat, which I thought they shouldn't have, but the moments I had with Thunderbolt was really great. It was good. He was a good guy to work with. That's cool, bro. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you are getting some of those wins. You, you're beating Bobby Eaton. You're beating Dick Slater. You're beating Michael Hayes. Uh, 19th of the 9th, 1993, your pay-per-view debut, you defeat Shanghai Pierce. Uh, WCW 4 Brawl 93 in the Astro Arena in Houston, Texas. Uh, is it exciting for you to be on pay-per-view for the first time after being a wrestling fan growing up? You're on pay-per-view now, man. This is huge. I was I was ecstatic that I was on pay-per-view. I was ecstatic that um, that they gave a young kid out of Detroit, Michigan a push. You know, and they and they did. And it was really, really cool. I loved every every minute of it. I loved it, man. Just my, my body, I was young, didn't know nothing. I was just happy to be there. It was, I was just happy. I can imagine, bro. Um, and you know what? In doing my research for this interview, I had no idea this happened, but I but I just found it on YouTube. You you have you're a part of the <laughs> Jesse Ventura Strongest Arm Invitational, and you get to the finals on December eighteenth, nineteen ninety three, against Vader on WCW Worldwide. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I, I got a bit of a kick out of it with uh, you fighting with with Vader, and you going choo 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 because you're ice train. So you're pumping yourself up to get that win. I just, I got a real kick out of it. What was that about? What was that all like? Do you know, actually, that Jesse Ventura was pissed off because he felt that I should have been able to beat Vader and then not destroy Vader's career. Right. But Vader, but Vader's ego was too big just to put the young kid over. Oh, really? Yes. And I love Vader. Vader helped me get in Germany and Japan. So, but Vader at that time did not want to do the, he didn't want to lose to me. And I was like, well, why don't we just go out here and do it for real? Because I was a pretty good little arm wrestler. Yeah. And, um, he didn't. And he didn't. And, um, you know, but, you know, it didn't bother me. It would have catapulted my career a little bit more. And that's just another time of WCW just appeasing to the upper echelon is what it was. 
Yeah, because because uh, as I was watching, I was like, oh, well, I mean, surely he's winning this. They're not going to have the world champion uh, win this. They're going to do this for the young guy, and then it's going to make him look like a contender for the world championship. But then Vader won, and I was like, ah, oh, oh, okay then. Uh, <laughs> but I just yeah, thought it, it, it is. It was just Vader's ego, and at that time, I should have actually spoke up. I was kind of young and just should have said no. I'm not doing it. But then that would have made me a butt wipe. But as yeah. I look at it later on in life, that's what I should have did. Yeah, no, I, I get you, bro. Um, 27th of January, 94, Clash of the Champions, 26. You take on Ron Worst match ever. Is it? I had a, yes, I, I, I had a concussion. Oh, shit. I, okay. Yes. Ron suplexed me in. And then I don't remember anything from the rest of the match. <laughs> I, it took me years to understand. I said, man, I forgot to, I had a straight, he suplexed me and I think I hit my head um, from the suplex in. And um, they fired him and they basically hid me for a year. That's how bad the match was. Oh, jeez. We should have never been, me and Ron, should have never been in that position anyway. Yeah. It was like, why are you breaking us up? Why are we fighting against each other? But that, you know, I don't, you know, wrestling was good to me, but a lot of white people were afraid of me and Ron Simmons and Thunderbolt Patterson and how good we could have been together. So they crushed that quick. Right. When I say they crushed it, they crushed it. Ron could have been with me for a whole year just grooming me as, as real as it could be. And two weeks later, they broke us up. So I thought it was just stupid. Two weeks? That's, that's not long enough to, to build something up and, it, and make it, it mean It something. wasn't. But they knew how good it was going to be, so they didn't want it. And that's just how it went. So they wanted <laughs> to turn, they wanted to, they wanted to get rid of Ron, which actually helped us cure out. And they just kept me for about another 10 years and just let me go in and out and kind of do what I wanted to do. Right. Massive mistake letting that guy go. Even if, you know, just having him around helps everyone else because of the wealth of knowledge mm -hmm. that he has and, and the, the teaching he can, he can give everybody. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, so uh, next question, working with Harlem Heat back then, you know, this is 93, so well, 94, sorry. So, you know, Booker T, Stevie Ray, Hall of Famers now, but, you know, this is early on in their career. What's it like working with those guys back then? Man, it was like working with, man, it was, they took care of me. They're my brothers to this day. Stevie Ray, I speak to off and on. Booker T, I seen a couple of years ago. But, man, I just, those were my dudes, man. They were, they're still my brothers to this day. I love the Harlem Heat. I love Booker T. Root. Stevie Ray was in my wedding um, about 25 years ago, man. Just a great guy. Awesome, bro. I love hearing stuff like that. Um, so uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, you, you, at one stage you teamed with uh, Buff Bagwell and, and uh, Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, <laughs> do, you have, do you have any stories of, of, <laughs> of those two guys? Because the... the I know that they don't like each other now, but back then, um, you know, individually, Tuco, what were they like? Tuco was a great athlete, a great wrestler, a great teacher. 
a great motivator, and Buff Bagwell to this day is still my dog. He's still good with me. Yep. Okay, cool. So they, you both, you get along with both of them, but they just don't get along with each other. Okay, that's cool. Exactly, man. Just <laughs> hey, they, they, they funny guys. Yeah, it's a shame that they don't get along because you know that they, they are cool guys. I always, I've always uh, got a kick out of any interviews I've seen with them. Um, yes. Okay, eleventh of June, nineteen ninety-four. You lose to uh, Lord Stephen Regal on Worldwide, and then you're gone from WCW for two years. Why is that? You know, I never wanted, I just think WCW, I was big and athletic, very charismatic. And at that time, I, I believe to this day, they just didn't know what to do with me. But was I going off payroll? No, I was still on payroll. Right. Still getting a check, just sitting down doing nothing. <laughs> so they felt they couldn't do anything with me. That's crazy. Like, how can they have one of the strongest men in the world built like a brick shit house and not know what to do with him? I know what to do with him. No, you, no, you push the no guy to the moon. <laughs> no steroids, never flunked a drug test, all natural, and they just did not know what to do with me. You know, it's just what it was. And when they, and after that, I believe the Norton situation came up and they killed that off quick when they should have just put the straps on me and Norton. You know, it was just, hey, wrestling was good to me financially, but the my last good opportunity, not to fast forward, was me and Chris Canyon when we did our stuff together. Yeah, that, that got to showcase my talent. It got to showcase me as a wrestler. Yeah, and we will get to that. Uh, but the next part of this interview is one that I'm very interested in learning about going to catch wrestling in Europe. Uh, how, did the my life. how did the opportunity all of a sudden, okay, you go from being a fan, you're thrusted into being on television in 93, you're there until mid 94. And now you're going to Austria and Germany all of a sudden. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a, a bit of a change in scenery. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about Vader. how that came about. Vader. Vader. Vader sent me there. Vader called auto and said, listen, they don't know what to do with this kid in America. Can you work with him? So man, when I first got there, I was, Absolutely horrible. Tony St. Clair, Fit Finley, Franz Schumann um, took me under their wing. That's great. Yep. And man, and by the time I left there, I was in the European Hall of Fame because oh, it wow. was, yes, I about to, I loved Europe for the four year run I had there. I was the first, I won the Bremen Cup as a baby face from America. Nobody's ever done that. Um, I think I beat JBL for the cup. And, um, and Otto told me that day, he said, hey, if you go back to America, you don't get the heavyweight title, you're ready. It's because of the color of your skin. And I, and I said, oh no, he, says, he said, Harold, nobody jumps like you at 350 can pull a crowd out, be a baby face in Europe and get a four-year run. 
Nobody does that. Yeah. So Otto, Otto put so much confidence in me. Tony St. Clair, Fit Finley, Dave Taylor. It was great for me. I loved it. I love Europe. Brilliant. Best four years of my life. That's great, man. Uh, let's sink our teeth into it a little bit. Working with a guy named Wrecking Crew Rage, which many people may know as Al Green. Uh, may, may he rest in peace. Uh, I, I think Al Green was a, a fantastic performer. Um, what's it like working with Al Green? We've never had anyone have the chance to talk about him on the show. Al, Al was a very nice guy, but bitter at the same time because he felt he never got a true opportunity in wrestling. But Al was a cool dude with me, and uh, he never mind doing the job. He never cared about it as long as you treated him with class and respect. Matter of fact, I got my first victory off of WCW off of Al Green. Right. 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so, look, I have to bring him up because I interviewed him a few weeks ago. Cannonball Grizzly, a.k.a. PN News, Paul, Paul New, uh what a fantastic guy we spoke for. I don't know how long, maybe two and a half hours. We just, we just, the conversation just flowed so well. Tell me a little bit about him. Do you have any stories about that guy? Cause uh, he and I, me and, Paul, me and Paul had great runs in Europe and we're, and we're still great friends to this day. I just think Paul didn't get the opportunities that he needed. Yeah. And um, I just think Paul got misunderstood a couple of times, but to me, Paul, PN News, Cannonball Grizzly, always be my brother. Good guy. That's, that's great, bro. Like, you guys didn't, and, and I don't want to fast forward too much, but you guys didn't get what you deserved in the United States in the company companies, at least for him, that you were in. But it seems like in the CWA, you guys built this great career and you guys became legends over there. So, you know, I just wanted to say that at this point in the interview. Uh, and it, also, it beautiful. that's great, man. Tell me what it's like being in Austria in 1994. You were like Michael Jordan then. <laughs> the women, wrestling was hot. Money was good. The learning curve, you got to learn all day long. 94, 95, 96 were the best years of wrestling for me it really was it was awesome and then when you would throw those big shows when Andre the Giant would come in Hacksaw Jim Duggan at the end of the tournament it would always be some big stars come in from America and they'd be like oh my god you have really improved and it was it got to showcase my talent it right really and I'm sure those Austrian girls certainly liked ice train uh yeah it was it, i was it was pretty cool <laughs> uh i gotta bring his name up because everyone loves him never heard anyone say a bad a bad word about him fit finley was what did you learn the most from that guy finley did it finley lost to me he did a. I, I knew finley was a businessman when we were in um austria and he took a one two three for me in the middle of the ring and he had never been pent in the middle of the ring in years. Oh, wow. And he did it. And it was like, we went out to have a beer afterwards. And I just told him I respected him for that. And he taught me that this is a business. And he did the job for me. One, two, three, man. I love Fit Finley. What a legend, man. I hope one day he goes in the Hall of Fame for sure. Oh, he'll be there soon. Oh, yeah. Gotta no be. Gotta be. Uh, yeah. 
13th of August, 1995. Got to bring it up. Texas bull rope match you take on, who is later known as JBL, but back then known as John Hawk. Uh, he defeats you in the match. Uh, it's at the CWA Catch Cup 95 uh, event in, oh God, uh, I, I can't even pronounce it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, what's it like? what was he like back in those days? You know, I really thought me and JBL would be, I mean, we talked now, but we were like best friends over there. And I thought we would be brothers until the day we died. And and, um, and then sometimes I just think he was my friend because he didn't want me to beat his ass. <laughs> and But he is still my buddy and he knows that I will whoop that ass anytime. So he <laughs> understands. He knows what's up. But JBL, we were drinking partners. We used to go to different countries together. And man, when he went to New York and I went to WCW, I don't know, it just we disappeared from each other. Yeah. No, it's bound to happen. I know a lot of people say, you know, when you leave the wrestling business, if you have, you know, the amount of friends on one hand that you still keep in regular contact with. I got, then... I got my same friends, Diamond Dallas Page, Stevie Ray, Paul Green, Paul, PN News. And um, and, and the ones I talked to, and maybe Dave Taylor. That's it, five, four or five. Yeah, That's all I got. Happens a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your final match in 1995 uh, on the 16th of December, 95. You work with Big Titan, a.k.a. Rick Bogner. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, you're you gone from um, catch wrestling. And I guess WCW comes calling to bring you back. Uh, how did you find out that, okay, they come up with an idea. They're bringing you back. No, no, no. I was still on the payroll. The whole time you were, but uh, they're bringing you back at right. this point after damn near two years. Uh, how did you get contacted to be said, hey, okay, you've been paid for two years, but we're going to actually use you on TV now? That's how it went. Just like that. Just how you said it. Just okay. how you said it. WCW. Hey, it, 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 it was like, come on in here. We want to get you with Scott Norton. With no ideas, no vignettes, no promos, just threw us together against the Steiners. And, right. And, and that was it. It was total no no thinking, man. Norton Ice Train could have been really awesome together. Just they didn't. I don't know. Those are the things that frustrate me with WCW. So when you're over there, and you're working for CWA. Are you getting paid by them too, as well as getting the paycheck from WCW? Oh, yeah. Money was great. Yeah, oh, that's great. great dude. Okay. Well, at least that's like, how. Oh, that's, that's oh man. Money was, I, I mean, <laughs> checks were just, checks were coming in, man. It was like, so I with all the money they were paying me, I figured sooner or later, I'm going to get a push. Well, exactly. I mean, all that money that they spent on you just not, being in the US and being over in Europe, you would think, okay, well, maybe we need to like uh, have him earn the money instead of just getting the money and, and also earning his own money in in, in Europe. I uh, should have I should have went to Vince. I should have went to Vince. Vince knew Vince would have saw me bench 700 pounds, squat thousand, could jump, and they would have put me and Mark Henry together quicker than you could say Tootsie Row. 
Yeah, I was already thinking earlier. I was like, man, like he is a he's a WWF guy in the mid nineties. He should be WCW. Vince McMahon liked the big dudes. He liked that. He, he that's what he wanted to push. And you mm-hmm. could have been a part of the Nation of Domination. Who knows? Um, now that's see, that's where I was. I was kind of wrong. At I wouldn't that. I don't know. That kind of gimmick wouldn't have fit me. I was too educated too articulate it was hard for me to do shucking jive rolls right it was it was just hard for me to do those kind of rolls it was it was just really hard it was really hard for me i understand um so okay scott norton fire and ice the whole thing is you wrestle him on saturday night uh you're evenly matched and then all of a sudden scott says that be so evenly matched we should become a team so that's the big idea that they have uh 22nd of april 96 you have your nitro debut you take on the steiners so uh, dumb so why aren't dumb. you why aren't you why don't they put you against i don't know who's the team at the time that they had well, the armstrong brothers they, or, or they, a team that they, they, you can get a win over they didn't know how good we were going to match up against the steiners and when we went out there, the people was like, oh, the Steiners are getting in handed to them tonight. Mm. They are getting, they are getting, they are getting their butts whooped tonight. They're on fire tonight. Yep. That's that's what um that's what it was. They couldn't believe it. Yep. Yeah, it's just crazy. I don't know. Like when you want to debut a team, you want to give them a nice solid win and build them up, not Right, right. straight in there with the Steiners, like that's tough. Yeah. And, and 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 we and we handled the Steiners. That's what killed them. That the people were like, "Whoa, hold on a second. The people were like, "Whoa, they are getting their butts whooped to these big guys." Yeah, and it was supposed to go like that. Fire and ice was supposed to be one day, not three months. We got three months out of no push. What a what a, yep. what a what a nightmare. Um, so heading towards the Great American Bash '96, you both get some wins. Okay, you beat High Voltage. You beat Rick Fargo. We and beat nobody. You beat the Blue Bloods. Uh, we beat nobody. But then you cop another loss to the Steiners on the 16th of June '96 before losing to them two more times in July of '96. This is a tough team to be thrown with, uh, you know, out of the gate. What is going on here? I mean. Do they they put this team together to just break it up straight away? Why did the tenure of the team end so early? Because, oh, we've we've got something that works, so let's let's kill it. I'll tell you like this. (laughs) They were angry because we were over and they didn't even push us. Man, Norton was so over. I don't even think Norton realized what we had. I know I didn't. People were People were really ready for Fire and Ice. They were loving it. It's a great name as well. It's a great name. It, it was, and we were real. We were stiff. We looked, we brought something different to TV. We did. We brought a Japan style with some American flavor. Absolutely. Um, just before you start the feud with Scott, 22nd of July, 96, you're on Monday Night Show. You take on Meng. Um, Anytime I see someone's wet with Mang, I have to ask them about how they felt about him and if they ever witnessed him uh, kicking somebody's ass. Ming was like a brother to me. 
We get you can look at the match. We got along so good. He was like a brother. I had no problems with me. We would play cards together. Cool. If they liked you, they liked you. If they respect you, they respect you. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. Cool, man. Uh, so feuding with Scott Norton, uh, he defeats you on the 10th of August, 96 at WCW no, 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 Hogwild. No, no. Let, let, uh, let me look at, look at it. He didn't defeat me. The referee stopped the match. I didn't quit. <laughs> I've never, I've never, the referee stopped the match. Of I course. I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken, yes, sir. I, uh, did, I did not lose. I'll tell Norton, Norton's never beat me one time. I'm five though against Scott Norton. That it's is Hogwild. true. It, that that was it. Hogwild, <laughs> fall brawl, regular TV matches. Norton's never put my shoulders to that mat. <laughs> uh, what was what was the uh, what was it like being in front of that Sturgis crowd? Because uh, I know a lot of people thought that that the the way that they set up those big pay per views at the you know the Hog Wild kind of events in Sturgis, it was kind of shit. Like you, the the everyone was sitting in like a big container out the back for the backstage area. What was that like? It was awesome. The fans were great. The people were great. I'll tell you the biggest compliment I had at the um um Hog Wild was Macho Man telling me that, that was my best match ever. Cool, man. He said, you sold that arm like never before. He said, you sold the hell out of that arm. You go slam him, go back to sell it. And when Macho Man tells you that, you can believe it. Yeah, he makes the, the effort to walk up to you and give you a compliment, then it means something because it's, it does. it's Macho Man. He doesn't need to do that, but he made the does. made a point to do it. Um. So 24th of August, 96, you defeat Scott Norton on WCW Pro. And then in your first pay-per-view victory at Fall Brawl uh, in a submission match, you beat Scott Norton. Tell me a little bit about that one. It just went in there. They were, t- they were testing out Norton. So I pinned him with a weak shoulder move, uh, full Nelson with Teddy Long in there. It was total garbage. And uh, it was just a way to WCW to give me a kiss after screwing me for so long. And then the next day, they put me on TV with DDP for a disqualification. Right, yeah. After, um, I beat, after I beat the strongest guy in wrestling, I got to fight my brother for a disqualification. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Comrade Thompson on his show with Eric Bischoff uh, heavily criticized the match. Uh, but Eric, uh, Conrad def- Thompson. Eric defended yeah. it. Yeah, Conrad Thompson wouldn't know nothing about two bohemians getting in the ring. If you if you gave him two giants, he wouldn't know what to do. So, <laughs> well, yeah, he I seems, like Con- <laughs> He seems to really care about what Dave Meltz has to say, which no one should care about. Um, yeah. <laughs> so working with DDP, he's your homie. Uh, do you have any fun stories of uh, working with Dime Dallas Page? I'm going to be honest with you. I need a whole nother hour to tell you about all the times we got drunk, drove <laughs> home together, hung out together, and we still hang out to this day. Matter of fact, Christmas time, I'm getting my wrist tape. Can you hear, can you, I'm getting my wrist tape because I got a big training session coming up at 11. Right. So I got, got a guy in there going to film these um, big arm workouts I'm about to do with my cousin. 
um, you got to Google him, C.T. Fletcher in um, America, one of the best YouTubers ever, man. You you get with him, brother. It's like a man. It's, he's a, he's a he's a he's a phenom. So <laughs> Dallas and me hung out so much, man. We party like never before. Cool, bro. And we cool. Still, and we and we still party. look i have to bring this up i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't bring this up but tony shivani on his podcast with conrad mentioned something about something with you and kimberly page never never so that okay like like my sister right never never that was my you know that was the stupid part about wrestling that was my sister right dallas is my brother yeah, that was a bunch of haters getting together. Kimberly, I remember when Kimberly worked in the strip club and I saw her, I took all my buddies back out the club. That's how close we were. Right. Kimberly Page, my sister, my sister from God, as the Christian I am. That was my sister. Sorry. All right. There we no, go. Nothing. Everyone out there, the, 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 the allegations were there. Now we hear the truth, okay? That never happened. Never. I'm sure the Eric Bischoff and all that other stupid rumors that have been going around for years aren't true either. Let's move no, on. Dallas there. loved his wife. Yes. Excellent. That was my sister. Dallas is still my brother. Nothing. So Excellent. I tell him all the time, F him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew I knew that that would be the answer. Um okay, Teddy Long. As your manager, what did you learn most from that guy? Because that is a wealth. I, I, that's my man to this day. Teddy educated me so much. Teddy was my brother, was my brother, was my brother, my mentor, still my brother and my mentor. The greatest guy ever other than Paz Watley I ever met. Teddy Long is at my Mount Rushmore of people who influenced my life. Awesome, bro. Um, so after the Norton feud is over, you pick up 16 TV wins straight with only one time limit draw against, uh, Lord Stephen Regal for the TV title before getting derailed, no pun intended against Chris Benoit on the April 4th edition of Nitro. Um, you get in this big push, but again, are we going to reiterate? Okay. WCW still didn't know what to do with ice train. If you ever saw the Chris Benoit match, you got to see the first 10 minutes of really how I worked in Europe. And that's what made me and Chris Benoit so awesome to work with. That's what made us so awesome to work with. Man, I know I picked a bad time for our podcast because we got to pick our podcast up. I, I'm not even, I'm about 20% into this. Man, I am telling you, we got to pick this damn thing up. We have to. Because I got so many stories to tell you. And I got this cameraman in here waiting on me. We got to pick our podcast up. So I can really give it to you. I I'm understand, tell, I'm bro. You, I am giving you 30% because I got this guy waving at me to shoot this arm workout. Man, Chris Benoit, what a worker. What a time. It was great, man. Hogan was like, Hulk Hogan was like, train, you're coming, brother. You are there now and everything. What's happening, man? How you feeling, bro? Man, about to get it. Man, I am telling you, we, yeah, every, everybody's in there. So I'm telling you, we got to get it on. 
when can when can we finish our podcast? Well, bro, I mean, uh, I know you're busy like me. I mean, I I I I got a <clears throat> I got the well, same let's time. Up strong. Let's finish All right. up strong. Look, how about I, <clears throat> how about I do five more questions? You give me some quick answers, and um, I'll do. Let's my do little... it. Come on. All right, let's do this thing, bro. Okay. So, okay, right. I've just said 16 TV wins. You get derailed in this match with Benoit, and then you only wrestle another uh, six more times until you go back to the CWA. You come back <laughs> many years later. This is mid-2000. Um, mm-hmm. Who contacts you to be like, hey, man, we finally got something for you? Eric Bischoff. Right. Let me, let me tell you how it goes. I wake up one morning, spiritually, straight up, and I'm as real as they get. I wake up. I said, Dallas, give me Eric Bischoff's number. Right. He says they're not hiring. I said, I don't care. God told me to call Bischoff today. Woke up, went down there. Eric Bischoff said, I've been looking for you. Paul Orndorff's talking about you're ready to go. If they can't push you as athletic as you are and as big as you are, quick as you are, they're just some haters. Orndorff trying to get me to sign a contract for weeks. I wouldn't sign the contract. Eric Bischoff signs me, and then they try to give me the Master P gimmick. I'm not feeling it. I think it's the dumbest. I didn't like it, and I got set home for a whole year getting a whole nother check. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then comes me and Canyon, which was really good. The Am I Smooth gimmick was the best gimmick ever for me. It really was. I understand. Cool, bro. Um, okay, four more. Let, Let's go. Let you go. Okay, so they bring you back. They put you with Ernest Miller, who without a doubt is one of my favorite heels of all time. Um, yes. What's it like working with Ernest? And, and also, what's it like working with Goldberg? Goldberg was so like, oh, my God. Because we were workout partners. He's like, train, don't go bipolar on me today. Please, don't, don't. Because basically, I'm that strong. I can just snatch your ass and kill a whole match if I want to. But I was busy. Billy was my friend. When I did, did my job like everybody else. One, two, three. It was fun. Easy payday. Um, working with Ernest Miller was like working with James Brown slash working <laughs> with James Brown slash Eddie Murphy slash Arsenio Hall, a comedian. I can imagine. Um, so, like, you're having this great little run at the end of 2000. Um, you work with Norman Smiley for the Hardcore Championship. But as we alluded to before, Canyon on the second last Nitro. You gain revenge two days later on Thunder um, when you team with Ernest to beat Canyon and Road Warrior Animal. How did mm-hmm. you find out about WCW being bought out? Oh, man. I knew it when Eric Bischoff and Jimmy Hart. Eric Bischoff, if you ever listen, you promised me my belt and you never gave me my title belt. They take me into a room in New Orleans, say, hey, when we go to Fuchsia, we're taking you with us. And Fuchsia never happened. And I never, I didn't care about wrestling again. Right. So did you go to the final night, Trey? Yeah, I was there at that garbage. And I was so uninterested because I knew how I'd already turned down Vince twice. And that wasn't a good thing. And I didn't want to be bothered with all the bull crap with all the, the, the garbage that goes on in New York. So I was good. I walked away and I enjoyed my life and I've been having a party ever since. 
That's great, bro. Uh, I've got one more question before our little segment, yep, five second frenzy. 18 years later at EWP Christmas Wrestling 2019 in Hanover, Germany, you and Dave yeah. Taylor wrestled to a draw. All these years later, you work another match. I mean, this is a long time. What led to that and how was it? Um, Eki Eckstein felt I should go into the European Hall of Fame. And man, we packed that arena. Me and Dave Taylor stole that show, brother. Them people went, I had no idea how much my European people love me in Europe. It was that's, beautiful. That's great, bro. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, man, I love And it was a party. It was awesome. Me and Dave had fun. It was great, man. I loved Europe. It was good because if they liked you, they liked you. If they didn't, they didn't. And it was no phony bull crap along with it. It was just real love. Brilliant, bro. Okay, Ice Train, before I let you go, I know you've got some shit going on right now, but uh, this segment is called Five Second Frenzy. Five seconds to answer each question. Very quick fire. Let's get to it. Who is your favorite wrestler? Butch Reed. Brilliant. May he rest in peace. Um, favorite opponent? Chris Benoit, DDP draw. Excellent. Your favorite match you've ever had? Dave Finley. Awesome. Your favorite book? Uh, pos- positively Page. I like DDP's books. Excellent, bro. Uh, your favorite TV show? Oh, man, that's tough right there now. I like Snowfall. I like Sopranos. Oh, Sopranos, bro. That's my, that's my, that's yeah. my bag right there. Uh, your favorite film? My favorite film? would be the um, Godfather. Ah, nice, nice. Okay, I'm jiving, I'm jiving. Your favorite musical artist? Prince. Yes, bro. I got to see him two months before he passed away. He performed in my city, the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. Uh, Your favorite food? Oxtails and rice. Nice. Favorite place to eat on the road? Oh, Longhorn. Very good. Your favorite alcoholic beverage? A good shot of tequila. Yeah, bro. Two more. Favorite female body part? I love the lips. Very nice. That's actually the first time we've had that answer on the show. Very nice answer. And the last one, Ice Train, your favorite curse word? Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) well bro i just really i want to thank you for your time here today this man thank you brother it's meant so much to me massive ice train fan for years i was always like what the fuck was going on there why the fuck did this big behemoth not get the push that he deserved so i really want to thank you for your time man and um it means a lot to me i'm your biggest fan from australia so Thank you very much and have a great day. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, hey, when they people come to LA, it's where they need to train at. Iron Axe Gym, baby. Check it out. Man, he got some studs up in here. I'm in LA tonight, about to get some training in. Tell them to come on, let's get that pain. If you're ever in LA, call me up. We can get a workout in. <laughs> cool, Man, bro. You know, it's been real. I appreciate you, brother. You call me anytime. Anything I can do for you, you let me know. Sounds great, okay. bro. You have a great day, okay? Hey, hey, thank you so much for your patience, too. I appreciate no you. No problem, Thank brother. You, bro.
And ladies and gentlemen, that was my interview with the one and only Ice Train. A little bit weird of an ending there, but that's okay. He's got some shit to do. Um, really appreciated his time. He is, without a doubt, somebody that didn't get what he deserved in the wrestling business. Um, but anyway, this is the Insider's Edge podcast. I'm your host, California in Fury. It has been good to be with you here today. I hope you enjoyed this interview, and we will see you next time. Thank you.